Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. I'm one of the teachers. In, and I know South Carolina's already started. North Carolina, Monday morning, bright and early. <laughs> I spent all week in meetings and getting my room ready and making plans and meeting parents. We had open house Thursday night, and I met a lot of, well, all my sixth grade parents are brand new to me. I know the seventh and eighth grade parents, but the sixth grade parents were brand new, and every single parent for every single student showed up. I was, my face was so tired of smiling by the end of the night, I think I was having cheek cramps. But it was great to see those parents so concerned about the education, and they wanted to meet me to see if I was good enough for their child. And I thought about that. Think about your circle of friends. Think about the circle that you come in contact with every day. Does your father think that those friends are good enough for you? And that's who you should be with and spending your time and learning from? Or did he send you to that particular circle of friends for a reason? Is there something that you need to share with them? Just a thought because of my experience on Thursday night meeting lots and lots and lots and lots of parents whose names I, and faces I, I'm not going to remember and they'll have to reintroduce themselves to me. How do you avoid oopsies? Anybody here know what an oopsie is? Everybody know what an oopsie is? You ever had one? It's, 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 a, it's a term we use with children, right? Oh, you've got an owie, or oh, that's an oopsie. But never forget you are a child of God. Never forget that he is your father, and he loves you, and he worries about you, and he wants to take care of you, and he doesn't like it when we get oopsies. I do oopsies all the time. This is a fast-paced world that we live in. And sometimes it's like a jigsaw puzzle that I can't quite figure out where the pieces fit. Now, I think as a Christian, I'm really lucky because I know where the borderlines are. I know about all the outside pieces. But I can't always make the inside pieces. You know that blue, that shade of blue? And it's got like the little divots in and then the little pieces out. And I can't quite find the right one to put with that one. Sometimes the inside pieces don't fit. Or maybe there's a piece missing. It's on the floor somewhere and I don't know where it is. I have to go hunting for it. I struggle with the idea of making sense out of nonsense. Why did I choose to work with children? If that's an issue for me. And the answer to that question is, I didn't choose it. God chose it for me. And if I'm going to walk in his will and do what he wants me to do and be what he wants me to be and trust that him that he's going to take care of me, no matter what comes my way. I have to work with 
making sense out of what I think is nonsense. So how do I keep my balance? This is about me. I'm going to talk what God told me and what works for me in my relationship with God. And I hope it works. It'll help you in your walk because your walk is different from mine. Every one of us is treated like an individual. Aren't you glad God sees you for who you are? Aren't you glad that he doesn't treat you like everybody else? Because one size does not fit all. One flavor, why are there so many flavors of ice cream at Baskin Robbins? Because not everybody likes vanilla. Or double yumble bubble yummy chocolate sprinkly things. I don't like it. I'm a vanilla ice cream girl. I plead guilty. I like vanilla. A lot of people don't. They think it's just bland. The world is waiting for me to get unbalanced. And as a Christian, the world is waiting for you to go, oops. So they can say, see, that's the way Christians are. That Jesus thing, see, look, look over there. See what that person did? Oops. How can God forget? You, know, you ever heard this? You heard those comments all your life, right? As I've gotten older, I've found that it takes a lot to amaze me now because I feel like I've kind of seen a lot, in this, particularly when it comes to school and working with students. And this past week as I was going through those torturous teacher work days and I had just gotten out of a meeting where I had sat until I was numb about rules and regulations and discipline and requisition forms and filling out bus field trip duty forms, and I was ready to snap somebody's head off. I was one of just a large group of cranky adults that wanted, were in line for the copy machine, and I was about sixth or seventh in line. And my job was more important than the social studies teacher. And the social studies teacher was going real slow. And I'm being cranky in my head, and I'm saying things in my head that I'm glad I didn't say out loud because somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And there was Perry, our head custodian. Now, Perry is a remarkable man. And he said something that just absolutely stunned me and amazed me and shamed me no end. And I think I've written it down the right way. He said, Miss Herring, my staff really appreciates you. You're so mellow and patient. <laughs> said, when you need us to do something, it's a real need and you don't ask to be put in front of anybody else. And we appreciate that. And then he walked on. What if he could have read my mind five minutes before that? It shamed me what I'd been thinking. And I'm glad I kept it to myself. You ever feel like you're walking a tightrope? You ever feel like people are watching you? I got news for you, they are. Because you carry a banner and you carry an ID card that says, I am a child of the maker of the universe. 
and I am his beloved child, and I have put my trust in him, and they're waiting for you to prove that you're wrong. And I was looking for proof about the balance of how, how do you get this balance, a, a, a strategy for getting this balance that you have to have as we're walking this tightrope. And I think I found four of them in Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm, as you know, and it addresses a lot of different topics. And this is the beginning of a section. If you've ever noticed, Psalm 119 is laid out in the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. That's how many sections it has. So starting with verse 49, I believe that I see here that if we are to stay balanced in an unbalanced world, we must have, number one, courage. Look at verses 49 and 50. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction. Your word has given me life. Your words, your word has given me life. David didn't have the whole Bible that we have today. What he had were the books of Moses. That's what David had. And somewhere he found in there words of life, words that gave him courage. He found hope. And he's reflecting on what the word of the Lord has done for him. So how does this reflect courage? There's an old story about a guy on a cruise ship, a party on a cruise ship that was in full swing. And there were a lot of speeches and people were milling around and a, a, a young lady fell into the water. And right after her, this elderly gentleman just dove right in after her, swam over to her, grabbed her, helped her, held her head up until they got life rafts and everything there. And they were celebrating him. And they're, what gave you the courage to do that? And he looked around and said, Courage? Who pushed me in? He found himself in the same situation she was in. But what did he do? Did he start screaming for help? What did he do? He swam over to her and helped her keep her head above water until help arrived. That's courage. He found himself in a situation he didn't realize he was going to be in and he didn't want to be in. You ever been in a situation where you really preferred that you weren't there? But because of who you are. Remember what I said? Remember what your ID card says? Child of the living God. Because of who you are. You react differently than other people do. You don't let the circumstance determine your actions. That's courage. Instead of looking to whether or not you can swim in this circumstance, I'm being metaphorical here. God, I'm here. I don't know what to do. Show me. Give me strength. Bring me through it. That's courage. Trust in him. God will take care of you. It's a wonderful hymn. I love that hymn. That's an old hymn. 
There's hope. David says, Lord, do you remember the word that you gave to your servant? You remember what you said you were going to do? You gave me words which caused me to hope. And this has given me comfort in my circumstances, in my affliction. Your word is giving me life. Our faith is built and developed on the word of God and on the integrity and consistency of the character of God. He does not waver. He changes not. From everlasting to everlasting, he is the same. Our circumstances will change. And the faith and our action should be founded on the premise that God's not going to allow his word to be wasted. God has never wasted anything. He doesn't do things just because. There's always a purpose. God has given him help. He's given comfort. He gives us reviving. He refreshes our spirit. You could flip back to Psalm 46.1. If you have time, I'm going to read it for you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. What does it mean to be very present moms in the middle of the night when you've got a little one who's sick? Does that mean you're downstairs watching television? A very present help means you're right there. You're paying attention. You're listening. You're watching. Fathers, you have a son who's an athlete and you watch him at practice. Tom, you watch what? You're very present. You're watching. You're watching because you care. And you want him to do right and you want him to have just the right technique to make sure his body stays safe and that his spirit stays well. A very present help. You don't have to go calling and say, hey God, if you've got time, could you come over here for a minute? What's a favorite word of a toddler who has an owie or an oopsie? Mommy! How loud? Ear splitting. Decibels. It doesn't even register. <laughs> it's so up there. Because they need you right now. Right now. And God is a very present help. Psalm 159 says, Israel, trust in the Lord. He's your help and your shield. Not only will he help you, but what does a shield do? Out in front. Captain America. One of my favorite movies, The Avengers. Captain America with that shield in front of him. It, it wards off danger. It doesn't even get to you. The Lord's going to be your shield. And Psalm 124, I spent a lot of time in the Psalms this week, obviously. Psalm 124.8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Well, if he can do that, he can keep me safe on I-77. Which is harder? I'm not really sure on some mornings. <laughs> so that was the first point, courage. Second point. If we're to stay balanced in an unbalanced world, we must recognize, we must recognize, dear sweet brothers and sisters here, we are going to have conflict. We're going to have conflict. 
The pr- verse 51, the proud have me in great derision. They're looking down at me. They're making fun of me. They're putting me down. They're making things hard for me. Yet I do not turn aside from your law. I have remembered your judgments of old, Lord, and I have comforted myself. We are going to have troubles. People are not going to like us. People are going to try to be obstructionists. They're going to try to talk us out of it. They're going to make fun of us. They're going to point out everything that everybody ever does that claims to be a Christian that was wrong or scandalous. They're going to point it out to you and say, see, you got, that's just, yeah, that doesn't really work. People will attack you. People will ridicule you. And I believe this is the main reason most of us don't like taking stands. Because we don't want people coming at us. We don't, want to, we don't want to have to defend. We don't want to have to listen to what's heaped on our heads. And my answer to that is they nailed him to a cross. Which is worse, being called a name? I don't know. In 2 Timothy... Chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says to the young boy Timothy who wants to be a preacher, pastor, he said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. Anybody remember what the word is? Persecution. They're deliberately going to come after you. But what does David say here about the persecution? His assurance is what? I've remembered how you've treated the people in the past that have come against Israel, and I find comfort in that. David made it all. David was a shepherd boy out in the fields, and now he's king of Israel. Remember what his brother said about him? You're too little. Go back to the sheep. Remember that? His own brothers didn't believe in him, wouldn't listen to him. I remember your judgments, O Lord, from before, and I have comforted myself. There's a lot of history in God's Word about Him keeping promises. A lot on there. Jeremiah 33.3, which is my favorite scripture in the Old Testament, says, Call upon me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you have no idea about. The third thing we have to have, courage, First, concern. If we are to stay balanced in this unbalanced world, we must learn what to stay away from. And we should be shocked and horrified at what we see going on in the world around us. We must be offended by the sin that surrounds us and not let it stop us because He has come to seek and save those who are in sin. And we are sinful creatures. That is our nature. It is our nature not to obey God. It's our nature to buck up and rebel and do our own thing. It's built in. And He, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, can help us deal with that until we reach that glorified state. The tragedy is that most Americans have forgotten how to get disgusted at sin. Because it doesn't, it's so not natural. I can't drive down here without seeing billboards 
for alcohol. And I'm trying to remember the, the name of the store, Adam and Eve store. I, a billboard. 40 feet high and 100 feet wide. And that should shock and disgust us. It really should. But we don't even notice it. Most of the time, we don't even notice it. We must have concern for those who are lost in this terrible world that doesn't know Christ. And it's one thing to come to church and sit here in church and pray, which is fabulous and wonderful and a blessing and what a privilege it is to be able to lay things before the throne of grace and turn them over. I'm going to be challenged a lot this year because I have four Muslim students. I already know I have four. I may have more. I have a lot of Hindu students. And it is my job to be courageous and show them the love of Christ. I must be concerned for them and show them the love of Christ. One out of four people in the state of South Carolina will become a victim of a crime this year. I looked up some statistics. One out of four citizens of the state of South Carolina will become a victim of a crime this year. It may be something simple, like a car hitting you by you know a driver that wasn't following the law. It could be a break-in. It could be an attack. But one out of four... We should be shocked by a world that allows that kind of violence and lawlessness. We should be concerned and we should be praying for our secular world, for the people who are in charge of our society and pray for them. That's a command from the Lord because he, Jesus says, God puts people in control. He allows, he knows what's going on. And you are to lift them up so that they are just. There's an old saying, and my father carried it in a little card in his wallet. One of the few things that he carried that was personal, he had a picture of my mother, had his driver's license, and this little card. That's about all. I wonder why he never carried pictures of my brother and me, but, you know, he wasn't married to us. He was married to Miss Edna. But this little card said, doing what is right is not always popular. And doing what is popular is rarely right. And I asked him one time after I was an adult why he still had the same card. He said, oh, that's not the same card, Rebecca. I've, over the years, I've had to redo it and redo it and redo it because he gave it away. He said, I, I, give the, I give those to people on my mail route. He was a letter carrier. I give them to people on my mail route. I give them to people in the grocery store. And then I'll write another one and put it back in my wallet. He said, that's one of my ministries. I never knew my dad did that. Never knew it. The last three verses here are happy. Starting with verse 54. If you are concerned, if you have courage, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> if we deal with the conflict, your statutes, your words have been my, and here's a word I love, my songs. In the house of my pilgrimage, in the house of my pilgrimage, in his journey, as he goes through life journeying, he can sing. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. One of my favorite choruses. God will take care of you. There's within my heart a melody. Wow. Because he can give us a song. I remember your name, O Lord, when? In the night. I can go to sleep knowing you're in control. In the darkness, I know you're there. I keep your law. I keep your law. This has become mine because I have kept your precepts. That's how I stay balanced. Remembering what the law is. Remembering what the precepts are. Remember what I have been taught. Remembering that conflict does not necessarily mean that I'm going to be crushed. I might get wounded a little bit. I might get some scars. But he has promised that I'm going to be victorious because I'm his daughter. And he's going to take care of me. So as... I'm going to ask for something from you guys this week. Monday morning, 8 o'clock. I have to be there earlier than that, but when the bell rings at 8 o'clock, my 6th graders, all 29 of them, I get 6th graders, 7th graders, and 8th graders, so y'all do three prayers for me. One for the 6th, one for the 7th, and one for the 8th. But they're going to come spilling into my room, and I want them to see Christ. That's who I want them to see. And what I say and what I do, the way I behave toward them, the words that come out of my mouth, I want them to say, I got a nice letter from one of my eighth graders who's at the high school level now, ninth grade. She said, Miss Harry, I'm going to try to be nice like you are. See, y'all don't know me at school. <laughs> Y'all don't know me at school. I'm a little bit different there. Because I have children watching me every moment. The minute I get out of my car to the minute I get in my car, there's a child somewhere watching me on that campus. And I'm very aware of that. I'm not saying I'm being phony, because I'm not being phony. But I'm being very conscious that they are watching me, and I am a daughter of the king. 